Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hello, and may I just welcome you to Digging Deep 2020-2021, the 10. I'm so glad that you are along for the journey. We have a lot of new people, new women who have joined our study for this year, and a lot of you who are seasoned diggers in the Digging Deep study. Let me just say that I'm thankful for every single one of you. Many of you have downloaded the study. Some of you have ordered books, and you might be listening at a point when you haven't received your book now. Know that you can go ahead and go get the download at thecolleyhouse.org and go ahead and begin. I really want to encourage you to continue to invite others to this study. It's a very easy catch-up, even all the way to the end of October. So I'd, I'd really like for us to continue inviting people to the study because I believe it, not because it's anything that has anything to do with me, but because it is the Word of God, it changes lives. I got several notes in the mail today from ladies who are in their third year or fourth year, and they are saying things like that they have grown spiritually because of this group motivation that we have together to get into the Word and to actually study deeply. I just want to go ahead and say that I understand that digging deep is not for the faint of heart. It is for people who really want to dig into the meaning of God's Word and its application for our lives. I believe that God intended for us to place a priority on searching the scriptures, as he told us, I believe that he meant for us to understand that, as he told us, it is the God-breathed word, and thus it is the most important words, it contains the most important words that we can lay our eyes and hearts on in this life. So I hope that you're coming to Digging Deep with that heart, with the heart that is saying maybe maybe you've never really done challenging Bible study before. And I know that there are lots of women out there who have oh attained doctorate degrees and master's degrees, nursing degrees, degrees in engineering, and all those things take your brain. They take a lot of time in the concepts. And I believe that it's more than fair for us to say that God's Word that transcends any material, study material that can ever be dispensed by man deserves that much and more of our intellect. I believe that God, when God says, love me with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind, that that mind part, as well as the heart part, combined together means that we we really want the Word. We really want the depth of the Word. That's what it means to hunger and thirst after righteousness. So congratulations on not necessarily becoming a part of Digging Deep, but on 
making Bible study a priority in your life. Life is too short and eternity is forever. And that means that getting into his word during the short time that we have in this life is of ultimate importance. And I'm grateful to you for being the kind of women who always want to do that. I want to challenge you, if you're new, to not give up easily. I want to challenge you to promise yourself that you're going to stay with it for six weeks. Just six weeks. It takes six weeks, according to those who study human habits. It takes six weeks to form a habit. So I think it's fair to challenge ourselves to stick with it for six weeks and see if we can make a habit of deep Bible study. Believe it's a habit that will be rewarded uh, without end. And as we're going to see in the chapter that I want us to look at right now, Romans 6 is the first place that I ask you to really turn and dig in here. And I just want to ask you if you, like I, when you looked at Romans 6, notice the profuse repetition that is in that passage about being freed from sin and becoming servants of God. The point that we're making in question number one of this whole entire study is that we are slaves, that we are either slaves of sin to death, with death being the finality of serving sin, or we are slaves of righteousness under the law of grace, under grace. And the end of that is everlasting life. That is a big point that Romans chapter 6 is making. If you noticed the reading in verses 12 and 13, it is that we yield ourselves. Romans chapter 6 verses 12 and 13. Let not sin therefore reign or be the ruler in your mortal body that you should obey it. In its lust, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves unto God. As I looked at that word yield in the original language, that word yield actually means bodies given up to criminal intercourse because they are members belonging to. A harlot's body. The background of that word is actually sexual slavery. So it says there, don't yield your limbs or give your bodies over to harlotry, criminal intercourse. And that's the um, the background of that word actually comes from sexual slavery. Don't yield yourself as those kinds of slaves. But verse 13, yield or present so that God can see, stand beside him and be his utensil, verse 13, yield yourselves as instruments to righteousness. And then we see the repetition in verse 14. We are under for this sin shall not have for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace, being under means servitude. Verse 16, we are servants of sin to death or we are servants of obedience 
to righteousness. Verse 17, you were servants of sin, but you obeyed the doctrine or the teaching of Jesus Christ. Verse 18, being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. We're going to dig into the meanings of some of these words in just a minute. But right now, I just really want you to notice point number one is the repetition of the fact that we are slaves either of sin to death or of righteousness to everlasting life. Verse 19, you yielded to uncleanness, but now you have yielded to righteousness, to holiness. Verse 22, being made free from sin, you are servants to God. Verse 23, Sin has a pay, has a payday coming, which is death, and grace has a gift coming, which is everlasting life. So if we look at these multiple passages, I just want us to be um, reminded here or to be awakened by the profuse repetition here of the fact that we don't really get to choose whether or not we are slaves. We are slaves either to sin or we choose to be slaves to righteousness through Jesus Christ. That concept is saturating Romans chapter 6. So as we look at that repetition, I want us to notice that the word for slave in verse 17 or servant, you're your uh, or bond servant your version may say but the word for that in verse 17 verse 19 verse 20 and verse 22 is all doulos which means a voluntary or an involuntary slave that's what the word means is a slave it's by the way the same word that's used in Colossians 3 verse 22 when it's obvious there that Paul through the Holy Spirit is talking to real literal slaves people who were being held in a servile work condition it's obvious if you go turn to that passage that we're talking about literal slavery there And it is the same word that's used over and over in Romans chapter 6. So let's look just for a minute at a few of the words that we have in Romans chapter 6. Look at verse 7 to begin with. It says there, he that is dead or has died, and we're following up verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed or done away so that we should not serve sin. For he that is dead or has died is freed from sin. That word freed there means, and we're going to notice that free is used in a, is comes from a couple of different words in this chapter, but this time it means to be shown just or innocent. I love that, that our old man is crucified with Christ so that we can be shown innocent. We can be, it's like in a courtroom when um, a person who is being accused of a crime is set free. 
he's shown to be innocent. So he that is dead is shown innocent from sin. That's what the word freed there in verse 7 means. And then in verse 13, I want us to notice, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Now that is the word, neither yield ye your members. That's the word that means as bodies given up to criminal intercourse because they're members belonging to a harlot's body. That's the background of that word. We don't want to be connected in a physical sense to harlotry. And so this is telling us that in a spiritual sense, we can become slaves, as it were, in a criminal, in a spiritually criminal way. Verse 13 then also has, but yield yourselves to God. When it says, don't yield yourselves as instruments of unrighteousness, it's using that word that has the background of sexual slavery. But when it says, yield yourselves to God, it's a different word which means present yourselves to God so that he can see you, so that you are standing beside him and he is recognizing you as his utensil for righteousness. Two different yields in verse 10. Don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Don't be caught up in this criminal slavery. And really that's, as we look at sexual slavery, that's generally forced. We think of that as forced slavery. But rather, yield yourselves, present yourselves, do something, choose to present yourselves so that God can see you. Stand beside him. Be his instrument for righteousness. Verse 14 For sin shall not have dominion over you, but for you are not under the law, but under grace. We're not under the law means that old law, which no one can keep perfectly. And there was no remission under that old law of the Old Testament, but you are under grace. And really that word grace there means favor or that which affords pleasure. You are Freed, shown innocent because of your crucifixion with Christ. You are shown innocent of wrongdoing so that you can enjoy a life that is that shows favor to you and affords pleasure to you. Then we talked about the word servants. Again, that word servants is found and it might be bond servant or slave in your translation, but it's found in verse 17, verse 19, verse 20, verse 22, and it means, it comes from the word, the Greek word doulos, which means slaves. The same word that's used as literal slaves over in Colossians 3, 22, and other passages. In verse 18, it says, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Now, when we looked at the word free in verse 7, it was shown just or innocent. This is a different word for free in verse 18, which means set at liberty from. It's the way that we use freedom generally in our democratic republic. Free means set at liberty from. So when we are shown just or innocent, it is at that same time that we are set at liberty from the dominion of sin that has a a payday coming And so, verse 21 says, What fruit did you have in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. 
the end of that slavery that we were into unrighteousness, that spiritual harlotry in which we were involved, the end of that is death. And the fruit there really is, you're picking it. You're just like fruit off a tree. You are picking, choosing your fruit, and it was death. And then verse 23, it goes ahead and spells it out again. For the wages of sin is death. That that word wages there is a soldier's pay. It is the payday that is coming when we are joined to others who are under the dominion of sin. When we are under the reign of sin, when we have yielded our members to unrighteousness, the wages, the soldiers pay there is death. But the gift, that word again is the same root word as grace, the favor without merit. The gifts that we can't earn. When you, it actually is saying here that when you get death at the end of your life of sin, that you earned it. But when you get life, you don't deserve it because, of course, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But it is the favor that you get without merit. It shares that word there. The the gift shares the same root word with grace, as we talked about. In verse 14, I love looking at the words in this chapter. The main thing, you don't have to right now know what every time it says yield means or what every time it means free, what it means every time it says slave, exactly what that means. I'm not going for that right now. What I'm going for is to examine the the overall meaning of this chapter and the profuse repetition that we have in Romans chapter 6 that tells us that we are slaves, that there is a dividing line between people in the world and that all people fit into one of two categories. You are a slave of sin. The soldiers pay for that is death. Or you are a slave, a doulos to righteousness. And the gift that comes at the end of that is eternal or everlasting life. We read about that gift in verse 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit to holiness. And the end of that is everlasting life. I love, I love that passage. You have your fruit to holiness or sanctification being set apart from this world. You're already set apart now. You have your fruit already. You're holding your fruit already, which is sanctification being different, set apart for his purposes. But the end of your fruit, the end of of that uh, picking that you're doing, that slavery in which you are involved, the end of that is everlasting life. I just want to read for you the definition of life there because it's beautiful and it's the gift that we get. It says of the absolute fullness of life. It refers to the absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical, which belongs to God. And through him, both to the hypostatic logos and to Christ 
in whom the Logos put on human nature. Life real and genuine. A life active and vigorous. Devoted to God. Blessed in the portion, even in in this world, of those who put their trust in Christ. But after the resurrection, to be consummated by new accessions. We're going to exceed or, or go higher among those new, new things we get is a more perfect body and a body that will last forever. You know, I think you believe that. I think you believe that what we're going for in this life is a gift that is a perfect body that will last forever. I know that some of you who have signed up for the study this year are far from being in a perfect body right now. I know of several of you who are signed up for the study, but you are dealing with the C word right now. You have cancer that is threatening you on all sides. And I know that some of you who are signed up for the study are in pain daily. I know that some of you are struggling to breathe as you signed up for the study. I know there are those of you who signed up knowing that there might be a possibility that you will not live to finish the study. We've had several who have in years past who have passed away in the middle of a study. And I I pray that all of us will get to complete this study this year. But you know what? <laughs> you signed up because you believe that there are new accessions. That means new higher plans. New, um, where if you accede to the throne, you step up from the regular mankind, humanity, to be the king. You accede. That's what an accession is. It's stepping up from the life that we now know to a life that's wonderful beyond our imagination where our bodies are perfectly formed to last forever. You signed up because you believe that, because you're committed to the fact that everlasting life exists and you want it. That's what I want you to get from Romans chapter 6 is that there are two groups of people One group of people whose members have joined up to be servants of sin. And the end of that, the soldiers pay for that, is death. But then there's this other group of us, and we have signed up for servitude to righteousness. And because we've signed up for that servitude, then we are going to receive that gift of a perfect body that will last forever. That's what the passage says. Verse 22. I'm really grateful that we get the chance to sign up for that. And I'm really grateful that there's not a middle chair. I mean, we are in one group or the other. and We don't have to wonder. We don't have to teeter between wondering, am I saved or lost? And that's one thing that we're going to get from this study is assurance that we can sign up for everlasting life. I hope you will go along with us. One more thing before we leave. 
How is it? When did the freedom from sin happen and the servitude to Christ? When did that happen? Well, that's also in Romans chapter 6, and then we'll, we'll be done. Romans chapter 6, verse, we'll just start with 1. Should we continue in sin so that grace might abound? God forbid. How shall we, who are dead to sin, here's the point at which we're getting out of, of sin, live any longer in sin? We're not going to serve sin anymore. Don't you know, verse 3, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Oh, we came in contact with his death, with his blood at that point. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That just like Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, get this, even so we also should walk in newness of life. When did the old servitude end and the new life begin? Well, when I was raised up from the water. That's when I made my choice to be in the servitude of Jesus Christ where the gift of everlasting life is the end game. Ah, let's hang on. Let's hang on and study together. Let's study how that we are servants of God. And from the 10 back in Exodus 20, let's make application to our lives today in the law of grace under which we serve. Do loss. I hope you have a great day and I hope you stick with the study because it'll be rewarding for you. Have a good one.